This episode of Sports in the Making is brought to you by Heirloom Travel and Adventure. Now is the time to start booking your vacation travel. Whether you want to experience the Alaskan wilderness, relax on pristine beaches, or explore historic European cities, Heirloom Travel and Adventure can help you find your perfect destination. Specializing in luxury, faith-based, and group travel, Heirloom Travel and Adventure is with you through all planning stages from start to finish to ensure your vacation is everything you envision. Visit heirloomtravelandadventure.com to begin your adventure today. Heirloom Travel and Adventure is a cruise planner's franchise, your land and cruise experts. When people think of an office, they may think of windows, chairs, a desk, and interior walls. For my guest on this episode of Sports in the Making, his office is sometimes indoors, but in hockey and baseball arenas. And the majority of time, it's outdoors, in baseball parks and football stadiums, and sometimes on aircraft carriers and military bases. Mark Leeson has been a network sports camera operator for nearly 30 years, working on high-profile sporting events, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League, college sports, and others. He joins me to talk about how he got his start in media as a radio DJ host, how he works as a cameraman, and how he absolutely loves what he does. He even shows us a little bit about the cameras. Episode 41 of Sports in the Making is next. For those of you listening, there are images on the screen right now of some of the stadiums and locations Mark has worked. So if you are listening, be sure to subscribe to the Sports in the Making YouTube channel at Sports Making to see these pictures, and you'll get to see his explanation of the camera controls he uses during a broadcast. This episode of Sports in the Making is being brought to you from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's Game 2 of the National League Championship Series, Arizona Diamondbacks facing the Philadelphia Phillies, and my guest, colleague and friend Mark Gleason joins me to talk about his career in television as a camera operator and how he started in media as a radio DJ. Mark Gleason, you are at your camera position in Philadelphia. It's probably one of the most prime spots in sports to see. How are you doing? And thank you for joining me. Well, we had a little, little bit of an issue yesterday. There's three cameras out here. I have one, another camera up right on my left, another one on my right. And they both tested positive for COVID yesterday. So yeah, get a little bit crazy about that, but I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. Rest assured, I'm feeling fine. I'll be ready to go tonight. So does starts. that mean then you're you're out in center field by yourself? No, they had they called in two other people to uh, to fill the to fill the other two cameras. So, but it was a little crazy yesterday with that uh, that coming down. So. But we're ready to go for tonight's game. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, a couple of things I wanted to talk about is, one, obviously your progress in uh, sports television as a career, how you got started, and just a little bit about the uh, cameras that you work with, some of the controls, what, what positions do what, just to kind of give people an idea of it's not just pointing and shooting. So how did you get into media to start? I know it had something to do with being in radio at uh, – KCBQ in San Diego. What can you tell me about that? That was my very first, I, my first, well, rewinding it back even farther, when I was a young, uh, a young boy and I would go to the baseball games, I'd always see the camera operator out in center field and say, that looks like a really cool job. But I was 10 years old at the time and I would take my binoculars, I'd sit out in center field and there was a camera operator in front of me and I'd pretend like I was the center field camera guy. 
and I kind of, oh, okay, yeah, I see that on TV. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. But never really thought that it would be a career that I'd be able to get into at any point. It just, you know, it was kind of like one of those really, wow, cool. And I get that all the time from people who come by and say, wow, that's a really cool job. And I, I was that same person when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. But I, I didn't really have a way to get into that. I did take a, I, I did take a class, though, in uh, eighth grade that was a video class. This was 1972, mind you. So it was black and white, and it was reel-to-reel -reel tape and half-inch tape. So I did get some exposure to operating a camera when I was in junior high school, but still not with really a career path how to, how to get into the business. So I became more interested in radio more than anything else and got a job at KCBQ Radio in 1975 when I was 16 years old and started my path on radio. And, and, and came to learn that I could do radio and also I was getting very good at audio production as well. So eventually I ended up at an audio and video production company and uh, started to get some experience in running camera just in studios, studio settings, not in a sports setting. But always, there was always kind of that you know, thought in the back of my head, I'd really like to do that. So back in 1984, the Padres went to the World Series. The following year, they decided to produce a highlight album from that year. So the person who came in to be the executive producer on it just happened to be the head of the video department for the San Diego Padres. In, uh, in so this is 1985. And it kind of piqued my interest where, okay, I kind of got a connection here if I want to get into the video side of things, but I'm still an audio guy. So I continued on with the audio, guy, uh, with the audio stuff. And then I kind of became interested in tape and editing tape and editing highlights. And so I would, every, occasionally I would take them, I would, I would record highlights off of TV, edit it down, put some music to it, and then I would take in the tape and always thought, one day he's going to play that on, this, on the video board at, at, uh, at the stadium at the Padre game. But uh, after a while, I, I remember sitting in the audio studio at this company one day and thinking, this isn't what I wanted to do. I either wanted to be a disc jockey or maybe I want to be a camera guy. Hmm. How am I going to do that? Well, I, I made some phone calls to some buddies that I had who were still in the radio business and they got me a weekend job at a country station and eventually at another station in the San Diego area. At the same time, I thought, you know, Maybe I want to take this camera gig thing, and, and how am I going to get into that? So I had some really good seats at the Padre game, season tickets, right behind home plate, underneath the high home camera. And I took my camcorder to the game one day, and I recorded the game. I shot the game. Took it back to the company, edited the highlights together, put some music to it, and dropped the tape off at the stadium. He called me back the next day. He says, have you ever run camera for sports before? I said, no. He says, wow. He says, it really looks like you know what you're doing. Why don't you call my buddy at the, at the cable company and get some experience and then get back in touch with me next spring again. I said, okay. So I called the guy at the cable company because I was really interested in this all of a sudden and got some experience shooting some basketball and some hockey 
over the winter time, then this was 1992, I went back to uh, the guy at the Padres and I said, I did what you told me to do. I got some experience. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Oh, well, I can use a camera operator for all the day games during the week for the Padres. Can you, would you be able to do that? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and that was the start of it. So, you know, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, just, it's a different career path, sort of, but it was just something that I kind of always wanted to do. And lo and behold, 30 years later, I'm still doing it. So before we get into all the stuff, the cool stuff you've been doing over those last 30 years, explain a little bit about what you were doing in radio. Cause you, you, you now have Mark's groovy, uh, Mark's groovy trip, Mark's groovy trip that's streaming. Yeah. But go back to those days prior to working in, te- in television. I worked at radio. Radio was my first love. I was, I never had an issue with getting up in front of people and talking. Uh, I, I just never had an issue with that. And I just saw radio as kind of being on the edge of show business sort of, and I wanted to entertain people. So, uh, I, I got a job at, at the radio station in 1975, and first, if you're in San Diego, you don't get on the air right away. You have to, you have to kind of pay your dues working background, so I was answering the phones, I was helping out producing commercials, I would stuff the uh, radio surveys and anything that I could do, and just get into the audio production studio and work on my craft. That was the key to it. So uh, I, I ended up getting going to uh, Colorado Springs and getting on the air in 1976. That was my first on the air job. So now I'm getting onto the on 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 the air in um, as a disc jockey, and that kind of played its way out through about like 1979, where I was doing weekends at some stations in San Diego and doing some other jobs around the station, but it just really wasn't really popping, so that's why I ended up getting into more of the audio production end of it. Um, but then I circled back to it, starting in 1991. I love the horns here. And, uh, <laughs> can you hear the horns? Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get used to it. It's the perfect <laughs> environment for it. We can still hear you. So, um, I... I, I got back into radio because really that was my first love was to do that and I and I went to a country station and I had a blast working at a country station and then got another job at, at, on weekends at another station in San Diego and I did weekends and fill in during the week for 15 years in the San Diego market from 1991 through about 2005 I was working weekends and filling in and I had to keep pitching myself because I was on the radio in San Diego. That's what I always wanted to do. I was doing morning drive. I was doing afternoon drive. I was, it was just, wow, this is, wow. So I always had this thing about 70s music. I always loved the music of the 70s. And every station I would work at, I would pitch a 70s show to the, to the program director. And they always said, yeah, 70s music, yeah, no, it's okay. You know, we can go, you know, da, da, da. So finally, to get to Mark's groovy trip, which is all 70s all the time, I decided I'm going to make my own radio station. 
which you can do now. You can go on radio station and stream. The genesis of it was my son went to junior college in 2009 after he graduated from high school, and he decided to take radio and TV classes. Imagine that. So <laughs> I, I went to the, uh, the station manager, and I, I, still, I still wanted to get back into radio. I still wanted to get back into radio. So I went to the station manager, and he says, I know who you are, Mark Leeson. I used to listen to you on the radio in San Diego. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, can I do a can I do a show with my son? Oh, absolutely. To have you on the station, that's great. Yeah. So my son and I did Matt and Mark's groovy trip. He came up with the name. I'll give him the uh, the credit for the name. So we did that on the Palomar College Junior College. Uh, radio station. We did 30 shows together, which was really kind of fun. He kind of he kind of concentrated on the classic rock, and I just played the song from the 70s, and we give little stories about the songs. And it was a really cool experience for us to be able to work together on this one project. But then after 30 shows, he says, "Dad, I want to do my own show." I said, "Sure, it's your, it's your credits. I'm not getting any credit for this. It's your credits." So I went to the station manager. I said, "Hey, can I keep doing Mark's groovy trip?" I'll take any air shift. I'm not going to take an air shift away from the students. He says, uh, how about Tuesday morning, 6 to 9 a.m.? I'll do it. <laughs> so I kept doing it. I started doing Mark's Groovy Trip. And then a buddy of mine started out uh, in a station in, in North San Diego County. It was just starting up. And I contacted him about doing, if he was interested in some new programming, um, and uh, I said, I have the 70s show. He says, I've heard about your show. He says, give me a call. Well, that was in uh, 2011, and I've been on that radio station. Uh, it's uh, now KPRI, uh, Res Radio 91.3 in San Diego County in Paula, California. Uh, I've been on that station now for over 11 years, 12 years, and I do a show every Tuesday afternoon there. And then from that... I decided that I wanted to do my own streaming station, which exists now as Mark's Groovy Trip, where I get to play disc jockey. And it sounds like a live radio station. I bought jingles for it, but it's all about my, my, my passion for the music of the 70s. So it's just, I have like two different careers going on, maybe parallel in some way. Actually, this story for this career plays, this pays for Mark's Groovy Trip. So. If you are listening only, be sure to check out the video portion of it because we are going to go into a camera explanation of what the camera anatomy is in just a little bit. Uh, but first, I want to mention to to people who are listening and watching how Mark and I met. Uh, I was a camera operator in Phoenix, and early in my career, I was invited to fly to San Diego to work on a couple of uh, San Diego Padres games. I believe we were on the same crew. If not, we were a home and away crew. But so that was our first interaction. Not much there. But then many years later, when I was producing at ESPN, uh, I was uh, producing the ESPN Deportes Sunday night baseball coverage. And Mark came on uh, as part of our crew. So then we kind of developed our relationship a little bit more, you know, as much as a producer can in those situations. But really, I wanted to, to bring Mark on again to share some of his background, how he got in the industry. But what he actually does, because a lot of people, when I was a cameraman, would ask me what I do, and I'd explain to them, but they didn't quite understand it because there's so many things to look at. And so, again, if you're watching, I'd like to just kind of help help the audience understand 
uh, a few things about being a camera operator. So, Mark, in your words, what does it take to be a network sports camera operator? It's number one, you need a knowledge of the game that you're shooting. And I love to shoot baseball because I played baseball, I coached baseball. It makes me a better camera operator for baseball. I understand the game. I can anticipate the game. It's like the ball is being hit to me. And it's the same philosophy when you play baseball. They always say, okay, know what you're going to do when the ball is hit. Same thing when you're running camera for baseball. Know what you're going to do when the ball is hit. And I think baseball is one of the more challenging sports because things change depending upon where the ball goes. You know, it's the thing. It's it's not like hockey, basketball, football, where it's kind of a linear. Those are kind of linear sports. Whereas baseball, the ball comes out here and then it goes back there, and then the runner goes that way. And everybody's got to cover it. Everybody has a responsibility when that ball's hit. So it helps to, to, to know the sport you're, you're shooting more than anything else. So I always do a little bit of extra homework. And you, you want me to show this now, my, my little extra bit of homework here? Here's a little bit of extra homework that I do is I put together these headshot sheets. And I call them headshot sheets. And uh, I've, I've had uh, like fans come by and say, oh, you have a cheat sheet. It's not a cheat sheet. It's a headshot sheet. I'm not cheating. Come on. I mean, you know, that's what you did in school when you wrote down the, the answers and you, you know, put the, put the piece of paper, you know, on your chair you know, where the teacher couldn't see it. That's, that's a cheat sheet. This is a headshot sheet. So I produce these for all the sports I do. I do it for baseball and for hockey and for basketball. And football, I just concentrate on the coaches. But this has all the players on it, as you can see, for the Diamondbacks and the Phillies tonight. And I've divided them up into different categories and things. So this is part of the homework that I do. And it just helps me because when we're doing the game, there are three different voices that I'm hearing in my headset. Number one, the director. The director has the ultimate say over what you shoot. Then you have the announcers. Now, if you have a camera that's freed up a little bit, you can follow the announcers. If they're talking about Tori Lovello, of, of the Diamondbacks, go find him. Uh, you know, if they're talking about Rob Thompson, the manager of the Phillies, go find him. If they're talking about Bryce Harper, go try and find him. You know, if your camera has that freedom to do that. So that's the second voice I hear. And the third voice I hear is my own, anticipating what they may talk about next. Are they talking about pitching? Shoot the pitching coach. They're talking about hitting, hit, shoot the hitting coach, you know. Or some guy made an error. Sorry, we got to show you, dude, you know. <laughs> So that's, that's kind of what goes into the, the game as well. We have a meeting ahead of time uh, where the director goes over what your assignments are. But your assignments, like I said, with baseball, it changes when the ball's hit. And that's what you have to be on top of. So I, I with pride baseball myself in too, With baseball, too, it's, it's about um, there's different scenarios when you have a, nobody on, a runner on first, a runner on second. Yes. Bases loaded, how many outs, what the situation is, who's pitching. So knowing baseball, covering baseball is is an advantage. Uh, You mentioned some of the cameras that have the freedom to go find those shots. What are some of the assignments that each camera has? Let's say starting with camera one and where is camera one located? If you could just go around the horn and tell us where those cameras are and what their responsibilities are. In a basic broadcast, uh, a basic broadcast is seven to eight cameras. 
I think we have 20 cameras on this show. So it's like there's extra angles to look at a replay. But in a basic situation, camera one is your low third camera down by the third base dugout. His typical responsibility is, is left-handed batters, so they can put a graphic over the left-handed batter, and right-handed pitchers because right-handed pitchers are facing them. Those are the two main things. But then when the ball's hit, you get another assignment. Okay, so when the ball's hit, that cameraman right there, he might have a runner, or he, if there's nobody on base, he'd pick up the guy at first base, and they would cut to a shot of the guy, a tighter shot of the guy at first base, just to say, hey, look, he's at first base, you know. So it, that's, that's the typical, that's camera one, which is third base dugout. Camera two is your high home camera, which they cut to when the ball's hit. His main job, follow the ball. That's it. Don't, sometimes you have a little bit of freedom to do a little bit of extra stuff in between pitches, but now with the pitch clock, there's not as much time to do that. But his basic responsibility is to follow the ball. That's camera two, that's high home. Camera three is high first. So typically up in the stands. Most of the time it lines up with uh, first and second base. And his responsibilities are to give a different angle, a different replay angle when the ball's hit. He doesn't specifically need to follow the ball. Maybe he just goes to the fielder. If he sees it's a fly ball to center field, he's just going to zoom in on the center fielder as he makes the catch. So that's, that's camera three, and he's got some other responsibilities like a pickoff throw at first, uh, looking into the third base dugout if they're talking about people in the third base dugout. Camera four is the center field camera, and that's the, that's the camera you see on every pitch. Um, it's always camera four. Typical. And that's where you are right now, correct? I'm actually camera 16 tonight, but I am in center field. I'm a different camera. Camera four is to my left as I'm uh, looking at the field. And we have another camera, camera six, which is to my right. And I'm camera 16. So, yes. So camera four is uh, the center field camera, the center field shot that you see all the time, every pitch. Now they have the strike zone on there. And uh, so that's camera four. Camera five is uh, the low first base camera which has kind of the reverse responsibilities that camera one does on the third base side. That is, he has the right-handed batters. They put a graphic over him. He has the side swing. If they have a check swing, maybe they go to his angle on a replay. Uh, Left-handed pitchers. So those are his basic responsibilities. And also to cross-shoot in the other dugout, too, and pick off players that are in the, uh, on the third base side. But he may have a runner responsibility. Typically, camera five scores all the base runners. That's his main responsibility. When the ball's hit, if he's got a right-handed hitter, there's a runner on third, he gets the swing, he transitions to the runner, brings in the runner, scores the first one, goes back, gets the second one. There's multiple runners. But his, his main responsibility when the ball's hit is runners. That's the main thing. Camera six is our tight center, which is uh, uh, to my right here. And his responsibility is to... Um, pitch uh, to, to mainly frame the batter, catcher, catcher batter. That's man, his main responsibility. Now, on a smaller show, like the typical show I do all the Padre games, our center, tight center field is also a super slow motion camera that tracks the pitch in a little bit tighter, and you get a slow, super slow motion of the swing. And that's on camera six. 
on our show, it's a regular camera. He doesn't follow the batter. I mean, he doesn't follow the pitch. He just follows the batter. Camera seven is the high third base camera. And his responsibilities are looking into the first base dugout. Um, he may get the pickoff play with the pitcher and the runner over there uh, and searching in the first base dugout. And once again, if the ball is hit to the outfield, going and getting the fielder, uh, shooting, the, getting the ball. So that's a typical setup is, is, is seven cameras. We have extra cameras. So <laughs> it's, when you get onto a bigger show like this, like the playoffs, uh, like I said, we've got, I think, 15 uh, manned cameras. So it's, you, you have cam we have cameras at each foul pole. We have cameras in right center and left center. We've got an extra camera here that I'm running that's a super slow-mo camera. Um, we've got some other cameras that are shooting up the first and third base line. So when you get into the bigger shows, you add even more cameras onto it. So the camera compliment you have tonight is just for the American, uh, National League Championship Series. What happens? How many more cameras can you get for a World Series or a Super Bowl? I think this is, well, Super Bowl is, is a whole nother thing. It's amazing. <laughs> They've got like a camera that can cover everybody. Every guy on the field has got an ISO camera on him. You know, they've got, it's, it's, it's crazy how many cameras they have on the Super Bowl. It's more than we have here on the baseball game. That's, that's for sure. It's uh, pretty amazing. Okay, so people walk by you all the time. They see the camera. They approach you. What kinds of things do they say to you? I know a lot of people want to be a camera operator when they see it, kind of like you when you were younger. But, but what kinds of things do you hear from fans uh, in, in the course of an evening? Uh, the typical one is, hey, if you need a break, uh, you know, I'll, I'll run it for you. And I say, okay, it really looks that easy, huh? Well, maybe I make it look easy. I don't know, you know. But that's the typical one more than anybody. Everybody thinks they can do this. Okay, well, you've got, you got focus over here, and you've got the zoom over here. Okay, let's start with that. You know, can you do both of those at the same time? This isn't a point and shoot, okay? But that's typical all the time I get. Hey, you know, if you need a little break, you know. And I mean, I kind of understand. When I was young, I always fantasized about, oh, it'd be really cool to run that camera. Yeah, that'd be really cool. But, uh, that, that's typical more than anything else, and it's slightly annoying to me that they think my job is that easy, but like I said, maybe it's because I make it look that easy. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, since you pointed out the focus and the zoom, uh, if you could just walk us through some of the anatomy. Let's start with your digital monitor over there on the left and then go to the viewfinder in the middle and then on down if you don't mind. This monitor right here, and, it's, and not, not all camera operators have them, but we've come to, it allows us to see what's going out over the air so that we can continue to look inside our viewfinder and, and continue to shoot. We also have a button that we can get the same thing in there. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? I push the button yes. there. Can you see that or not? Yeah. See, that goes to the program also, but, but instead I can look off to the side to this digital monitor and see what's going out over the air. So then I can see, okay, well, so-and-so, camera 17 already has that player. Okay, I need to go shoot a different player. So that's, that's what the, uh, it's, it's so I can see what other people are shooting. That's the typical thing. And then this is our focus here. You roll through, 
right here, this focus knob. It's not autofocus. You have to focus uh, manually here. And there is also what they call servo focus, which is a, uh, an electronic focus. But still, there's a manual aspect to it. And then over here, we have um, the zoom control. Zooming in, zooming out. So, you know, it's like, you're, it's like you're flying this thing because you have one hand here and another hand here whipping the camera around going from left to right. This whole rig, typically, um, the rig is, the lens is about $100,000, the camera is about $100,000, and then the hardware that it sits on, the, the, uh, the tripod, is probably another $50,000. So this whole rig is probably worth about $250,000. So, you know, it's not your... You can't go down and buy it at Best Buy, okay? When you have the, your controls, like on your Zoom, it's called uh, Servo Zoom, there's also buttons on the underneath that you can push. I think you were talking about it just to, to show return in your monitor. Yeah. But there's yeah. a talkback button, uh, the white button on top, uh, it's been a while since I've run it, but an extender. Right here. Here's our talk button right here. That's the talk button. Yeah. There's, there's a switch up here that you can uh, double up your your, uh, your zoom power. So instead of a, what do you use now, an 80, 88 lens? Oh, I got a hundred. A hundred? A hundo. We have 122s out here. Don, we have 122s. It's it been a be, while. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I first started that a 55, 55. was the big lens. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the camera meeting, um, I know you work with a lot of different directors. Uh, do you notice a, 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 a difference between some of the, the directors when they're directing and how they approach their work with you guys and girls? A lot of it has to do with the skill level of your operators more than anything else. Uh, occasionally on some of these shows, you have your strong camera operators and your not so strong camera operators. And maybe those operators are newer or they just need a little more direction. Um, some of the best directors are really lucky because they don't have to direct much. They just select because the camera operators are that good that they're going to be, and, 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 and Directors joke about that. He says, oh, I'm just a selector today. You know, I'm not a director. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, as you get into the bigger shows like this, we all, we're all highly skilled. That's why we're here doing the, the, the NLCS, because we have a, a, a skill level, high skill level. So the director doesn't have to direct us as, as much. It's more like selecting. But we support. We support him. We support the announcers. And then, like I said, we, we also have that third voice where we anticipate what's going to happen next and where what we should be shooting to support that. Right. Well, and I think you left somebody off there that's pretty important as far as who you support too. No, 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 no. But I, I would say that. Yes, producer. but <laughs> no, I, the replay operator, because if you don't have a yes. great shot, they don't have anything to sell. So exactly. when you're shooting we for replays, if you're not on the, if your camera's not live, how are you shooting for the replay? My camera, uh, I'm, I'm camera 16, and I'm a super slow motion, tight center field camera. I'm picking up the ball from when it leaves the pitcher's hand and tracking it in. And I have to change the focus just a little bit. The term in the business is rack your focus. 
I have to rack my focus just a little bit because of the distance there between the mound and home plate. Your focal length changes just a little bit, your focus. So I have to rack my, so you can see the spin on the ball. You can see, they'll get the release point up here. Okay, look, it's a curveball, and then you can kind of see it spin in. So that's my responsibility in the, in the, in the scheme of things as far as a replay. They'll, they'll typically show my replay on a strikeout maybe, or if a guy hits a home run, they'll say, hey, watch this curveball. Oh, that wasn't a good pitch. And it's my job to track the ball in there, and then I push to the batter at the end of it. So, yeah, the, the, we support each other. The tape operators and the camera operators, we support each other because we're, we're reliant on each other. We have to have good tape operators as well as good camera operators. Right. Now, when I was shooting many, many years ago, one of my goals was to have the, the punctuation shot on the rollout. Do you have any specific goals that you're trying to accomplish during a broadcast? Uh, I'm trying to find some kind of uh, emotion more than anything else. I think the, the emotion is, is really what you get. Like when the guy hits the home run and you zoom into him and he goes, yeah, something like that. And we have some super, super slow-mo cameras that are really, really locked into the emotion of the moment. You'll see a guy, the pitcher coming off the mound and he, you know, he screams or whatever. So I think that more than anything else, I think emotion is, is your big punctuating shot. And I think the second one would be a great play, you know, a great diving catch or something like that. I think that would be the other where you're seeing these, these athletes at the top of their um, the sport and making a great catch, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, basketball, everybody loves the dunk, but everybody loves when Stephen Curry gets back there and he shoots the three-pointer and it's not even through yet and he's running the other way. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 this is show business. Okay, it's, it's professional sports, but these guys realize and why they get paid so much is because this is show business. People are paying to see these guys play. So I think those are the two big shots, either the great play or the great emotion from a, from a play. Now, we're, we're talking baseball primarily here, but you just mentioned basketball. Uh, some of the other sports that you sent me that you've worked on, hockey, football, volleyball, indoor lacrosse, rugby, golf with networks uh, such as ESPN, Fox, TBS, MLB Network, and I'm sure a ton of other networks. Of all of those sports, how is uh, with the fundamentals being the same, how is each camera coverage different? Uh, there's some sports that... Like I said, like there's street baseball and some of the other sports where the other sports are linear, where you can anticipate even more what's going to happen. Whereas baseball, I think, is full of surprises that you have to kind of, because every once in a while I'll shoot something, I go, well, I could have shot that better. But then again, I didn't expect that to happen. You know, something happened kind of funny. I think some of those other sports, the action is more predictable. And it's actually, I think it's actually easier to shoot it. Like, you know, basketball, uh, I follow the ball, it goes through the hoop. You know, it's, it's a little bit more predictable than, than, uh, than other sports like baseball. Uh, the toughest, everybody says, how do you shoot golf? That, that, that must be tough. Well, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> this little golf ball is flying through the air and you got to track it. 
but uh, you need a little help in that. But uh, that's that's. I just think, like I said, some of these sports are more linear, up and down, and baseball is kind of out and in and over, and it's it's, it's harder to predict at times. Yeah. What are some of the high-profile events you've worked on? I would say my favorite events that I got to work was with ESPN. They did a series of college basketball games called the Armed Forces Classic. And this was, they took two college teams, prominent college teams like Georgetown and Michigan State and North Carolina and Gonzaga, and took them around the world. And they played a basketball game, college basketball game, at uh, Air Force, Army, Navy bases all over the world. The first one was um, in uh, Germany that I got to do back in 2012. And I believe it was Michigan State and Georgetown, I believe, that played in the very first one, the Armed Forces Classic. They built a basketball court at Ramstein Air Base in Germany in this hangar, and we televised the game. From the, They had to play the game at midnight because they wanted to be on at 5 o'clock on the East Coast, but I'd never been to Europe before, and here I am, I'm working, I'm shooting a basketball game that's in a foreign country, and it's in front of these service, you know, these, these service guys, and that's why they did it. You know, they call it the Armed Forces Classic. The first year we were in Germany, the second year we were in South Korea, uh, the third year, we were in Puerto Rico. The fourth year, Hawaii, ho-hum. Uh, the fifth year, we were in Okinawa. Um, and the sixth year, we were at Fort Bliss in, um, in El Paso, Texas. And then we went back to Germany again to Ramstein Air Force Base. And then last year, we did the Carrier Classic, which was really cool. It was on the deck of an aircraft carrier in San Diego. Um, that they, they build a court, and there's, you had the superstructure of the, of the, uh, of the um, it was the Abraham Lincoln, uh, the superstructure of, the, of the, air, the aircraft carrier right there. But I think those were the coolest events that I got to work in all these years, was to get to travel the, the, the world bringing basketball to our service uh, men around, service men and women all over the, all over the world. It's really just an amazing experience to take that on the road and be able to do it. And as a camera operator, being out in the elements, you get to experience that more than someone who's in a, in a truck. So that's one thing I appreciate about being a camera operator. When you're done with the event and you go home and you watch, let's say you watch sports center or a highlight show. Do do you, have you seen some of the work that you've, done that makes it on there and if, and when you do yes. how does that feel it's an out-of-body experience because i'm sitting there like uh, if, if, wherever i go after the game usually i just go home but i'll sit there and watch it i want to watch like if i work a padre game i want to go home and watch it just to see how i did you know i know how i did but i want to see it again but it's it's this weird out-of-body experience like somebody else shot that like, I didn't shoot it. Somebody else shot it. It's on TV. I didn't do that because this isn't really on TV. I'm shooting it. But it's just, Don, it's, just, it's, it's an out-of-body experience. It truly is. And it's weird. 
if I'm sitting at a, you know, a restaurant or whatever and I'm watching a game maybe that I shot earlier that day and they're replaying it or they're showing ESPN Sports Center on there and there's my highlight and I'm sitting there, I shot that. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like nobody in the restaurant knows that I shot that. Nobody knows that the guy who shot that was sitting there. I remember going to a, a like a diner or something and they were replaying the L.A. Kings hockey game from the night before, and I ran the main game camera for it, and they're replaying it, and I'm sitting there, I, that's me, that's, that's my work up there, you know, it's just, it's, it's truly, truly an out-of-body experience, and, you know, I'm so lucky for, to have this career, because I enjoy it so much, and, um, and people remind me of that daily, and they say, you have the coolest job. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Of the thousands of events that you've shot, are there maybe one, maybe a couple of, uh, a handful of events that stick out in your mind that you're most proud of or meant the most to you? The first one, I would say, was the... Atlanta Olympics in 1996. I worked water polo there. I didn't know anything about water polo, but that's where they put me. And the, the, the thing that was most interesting or that was most meaningful to me was my dad's perception of how you get a job is you graduate from high school, you go to college, and that's how you get your job. That was it. And I chose not to take that path. He wanted me to take that path, but I wanted to do the radio first thing, and I knew that the only way that I could do that was just to do it. Just get into a station and do it. When I called him in 1996, mind you, I was only in the business for three or four years. When I called him in 96 and told him I was doing the Olympics, it was validation that I had made the right decision. And it was the first time that he really said, oh, I guess you're pretty good then, you know. So to me, just in my whole life situation, working the Olympics in 1996 was, was very important to me. And then past that, I just, I'm just so lucky. Just, I get to work uh, Little League every year up in, in San Bernardino. They have a regional up there, and I've been doing it for 20 years, and I love to do that. The television production has changed over the years, but uh, still, I, I still enjoy doing that. But... Um, I think overall, the thing that I'm, I'm really most proud of is are those uh, basketball games we did abroad, um, the Armed Forces Classic. That was just taking college basketball to the uh, the men and women of, of the service uh, just meant so much to, to go into those environments and to be a part of that broadcast. I think more than anything else, I haven't I haven't I haven't done a Super Bowl. I haven't really done a World Series. I haven't done a lot of championship stuff. I just do a lot of stuff that leads up to it. But um, uh, it's it's. I just I look upon those games that we did more than more than anything else. Well, those jobs are very difficult to get because it's typically people who have been doing it on the same crew for that X number of years, and it's you know they have their team and their trust. So. Yeah. I completely understand. I've been a part of some of those events and I'm wondering how I even got there sometimes. <laughs> um, Same kind of thing. But uh, yeah, um, you mentioned the, the elements uh, being out in the elements earlier. Um, it, it looks a little overcast in Philadelphia today. 
what, how do you deal with cold weather? What kinds of attire do you wear? What, um, and, and how do you stay warm? Uh, and, and, and another jacket. And I've got uh, some thermals on already. And I've got fleece-lined pants on. It's supposed to be in the 40s tonight. And then the most important thing, uh, these will come in handy later on, hand warmers. Those will come in handy later on, too, <laughs> along with gloves. You haven't tried the so, electronic gloves? Uh, I have not tried the electronic gloves. I have, I have tried the electronic socks. They seem to help. I, I did a football game in um, Chicago um, a couple years ago where on our setup day, we had a setup day on Saturday, and it was snowing and blowing, and it was just it was horrible. It was New Year's weekend, and then for the game, it was 24 degrees. I had five layers on top and three layers on the bottom. And these, these heavy-duty boots that I had on, and I was okay. I wasn't bad, but my hands were just getting cold. And that's, I don't really like to wear gloves. So for tonight, I'm taking these hand warmers and I'm putting them in my pockets of my jacket. I just kind of, you know, go like this in between pitches and then work and then do like that again. So it's uh, like an NFL that's, that's quarterback. Is, yeah, really, you got the little, little thing there. <laughs> But yeah, I have my rain gear that I have to bring around sometimes. The best thing about baseball is they usually don't play when it's raining. But football, they do. And I've been in some really unfun conditions. It's no fun to work in, in, the, in the weather, but sometimes you got to. You got to. That's just the way it is. But I, I usually, I'm going to be uh, pretty much prepared when uh, I get into those situations. Well, now that we've scared uh, aspiring camera operators from not being camera operators because of those elements, what kind of advice do you have for people who might want to do this? Uh, you know, assuming that they can't bring their video camera into the stadium and do what you did early on. Get experience somehow. Um, they're, they're, go to school because a lot of these schools, they have some kind of a video department. Learn how to run a camera. I, I, I'm a little concerned about our, our business overall because I don't think I don't think the younger generation is interested really in doing this. They want to do the the, the drones. They want to do um, I don't I don't know. Our our industry is aging a little bit. The, the camera operators. It's amazing the ages of all the camera operators on our crew. And I'm just I'm a little concerned where the next wave of of operators are coming from. But I think the, the most important thing when people ask me is get experience. And uh, every arena has an in-house crew that shoots crowd shots and this and that, but at least get you on a camera and get you into a production environment where you're listening to a director and you're, 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 you're being directed and you're learning how the mechanics of how all that works. So the number one thing, if you want to be a camera operator, is get experience somehow, either by either in college or in some kind of trade school, or go to one of these venues and, and just say, I want to run camera and, and learn that way. Uh, and, but, and then, but then number number two is you got to have the aptitude. You, know, you got to. We actually. I see in, in our industry there are, there are two, two kinds of, of camera operators. There are shooters, there are people who shoot, and there are people who shoot the game. And what I mean by that is some guys, they get wrapped into like really tight shots or you know whatever, and they miss the essence of the game. 
And I think that's very important when you're shooting is to shoot the game and not just, you know, shoot your camera. I think that's very important. So you've worked with a lot of producer-director combos a lot in your career. Anyone that stands out to you as being special to you? Um, I have to give a lot of kudos to uh, Doug Holmes, who's a director at ESPN. He does NHL, and uh, he's the one who got me onto the Armed Forces Classic all those years. Took me around the world, so to speak. I was his uh, camera two, tight ISO guy, and he took me to all those places. So I got to give him a big, big round of thanks. And then just our, our local directors and producers for the San Diego Padres. Uh, Zach Jensen is our is one of our directors. Tom Canole is one of our directors, and uh, Jason Lewis is uh, our main producer. He's the coordinating producer, and those guys they create such an amazing work environment that allows us to succeed, which is very important. Because uh, you know, I've, I've worked with some directors that don't create a good work environment and uh, makes you actually on on edge a little bit. Where they just these these guys just let you do your job. And they trust you. Trust is an ama- is a very important thing between uh, directors and their camera operators. What is it that you love about what you do? I love that I get to be part of sporting events and to bring the sporting events to the viewing public. Because I was one of those people who watched sports and enjoyed watching sports. I still enjoy watching sports. And people say to me, oh, it's so cool. You get to go and watch all of those games. I don't get to watch them because I'm looking through this viewfinder here. I'm shooting it so that you can watch it at home. And that's what brings me the most enjoyment. I know I, it's kind of funny. I, my, my son is, is a sports, sports nut. And he watches sports all the time. And I just think it's unique that he's watching sports that I'm shooting. More than anything else, and I ask him about that anyway. You know, hey, hey, Matt, you know, do you ever kind of think about, hey, my dad did that shot? He says, oh, I know what shot you do. I know what shot you do. But it's just kind of weird that I'm, or, or you know, my sisters are watching, or family members are watching. I said, I'm working on that game. You know, the, I think that's, it's, it's, it's almost that out of body experience again, where I just, I, it, this is my form of entertainment. I'm entertaining people. By, by shooting this, uh, by shooting this sport, because pe- it blows me away when I read, oh yeah, six million people uh, watched that game. What? Six million people watched what I was doing? Oh my gosh, that just, there's just stuff like that just kind of blows me away, that I can have a career that I enjoy so much, and yet there's this other magnitude to it, it's, it's kind of, you can't really think about it, or you get kind of nervous about it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and as a, and again, as a former camera operator, I loved doing it. Uh, when the, uh, inside of the truck called, I couldn't refuse. So I haven't done it, like I said, in a while, but I do miss, uh, running the cameras and selling shots and, you know, capturing emotion, like you said. So before I let you go, I have a couple more questions. The first thing I want to offer you is to how can people listen to your Mark's groovy trip, uh, streaming show? Our Shrewy Trip is available uh, through a couple of different uh, services. If you go to www.marksgroovytrip.com, there are some listen links on there where you can listen online. Uh, I'm on TuneIn Radio. If you go to the TuneIn Radio app and do a search on Mark's Groovy Trip, it'll take you right to uh, Mark's Groovy Trip. And I'm always on. I never sleep. I'm always on there. It's amazing. And then the, the best one is I have an app also. I have an app that's available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. 
you can download it's March Groovy 70s trip download the app and that's really the easiest way because everybody's into apps he said what app do you have I have an app I have an app Google Play Apple App Store or what do they call now the iOS store or something I don't know anyway um, <laughs> those two you can download the app that's really the best way to listen to March Groovy trip and nothing but the 70s all the time Perfect. Yeah. I, I, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because not only are you a camera operator, but you're also creating music content out there for, for people's enjoyment. So, all right. Final two questions. What is your most cherished credential or memento? Um, I have to go back to the Art Forces Classic again. The, those, those credentials, they gave us a, a blanket a couple of years ago with all the different logos on it. It was kind of cool. Um, but I would say that and then they gave us coins. They gave us these little coins, the commemorative coins. So I would say that more than anything else, when I really think about things, the Armed Forces Classic is, is like the pinnacle event that I, I, I really feel like I've, I've worked because it was such an adventure. Going to Japan and going to South Korea and going to Germany, it was just it was, it was an amazing thing. All right, finally, what is your favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Uh, Naked Gun doesn't count as a sports movie, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> well, if you count Reggie I, I Jackson love... being in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Strike! <laughs> um, I, I really think it's Bull Durham more than anything else. I love the interaction. I love when, like when, when uh, Kevin Costner goes out to the mound and he says, and, and um, Nick Lelouch is saying, you told him what pitch was coming. Yeah, I did. It went pretty far, didn't it? I just I like the, you know, when they come out to the mound and they have a the little conversation about, uh, uh, so what's going on out here? You know, oh, well, I think uh, candlesticks make a nice gift. You know, I think so. I think Bull Durham would be my favorite sports movie. A lot of a lot of quotable lines in that movie for sure. Yes, definitely, definitely. Mark Gleason, stay warm tonight. Game two, NLCS. Diamondbacks, where I used to work uh, on yeah. games against the Phillies, who I, I talked to the Philly Fanatic last year on this podcast. So uh, enjoy everything. Stay warm. And uh, wherever your adventures take you, have a great time. All right, Don. Great to talk to you. Camera operators are literally the eyes of any sports coverage, and it takes a special talent and dedication to work this role in television. From long days to extended travel to adverse weather conditions, they capture every angle you see at home. I thank Mark for joining me during the 2023 National League Championship Series to share a little bit about him and how he works his craft. And if you happen to see him at a sporting event, be sure to say hello. And also check out his Mark's Groovy Trip radio program for all your 70s music. A special thank you to Heirloom Travel and Adventure, a cruise planner's franchise, for sponsoring this episode. Visit heirloomtravelandadventure.com and start your travel planning today. Again, if you're listening, you can check out some of the visuals on YouTube at Sportsmaking. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform, such as iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn, Radio Public, Pandora, Overcast, Odyssey, Samsung Podcasts, GeoSavin, Pocket Casts, Player FM, Simplecast, and Apple Podcasts. And be sure to like, share, and review, as well as drop a comment on YouTube or the Facebook page. Thank you for spending time with me on Sports in the Making. I'm your host, Don Cardona. <laughs>